You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For everything for everything indie. For everything cults. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host. George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Instant reaction, Colts, Texans. Well, Colts fans, at least it wasn't a loss. I guess that's that's one way to look at this one, George. George Bremer, Ryan Hickey with you here. A 2020 tie to the Texans to kick off the 2022 season. So while, yes, technically the losing streak does stop at eight consecutive week one losses, the winless streak now will go on for at least another season. George, I'll ask you this because it's a very weird game. 2020 tie. How do you view this game for the Colts? Is it more of a win because it wasn't a loss, or does it still kind of feel like a loss to you, even though technically in the standings won't be reflected as one? Yeah, I, I think it feels like a loss. We, we said coming in, it's a must-win game. You didn't win. So, I mean, you can get technical and it's a tie or however you want to look at it, but you know, it, it doesn't count as a loss. It could help them later in the year. It could hurt them later in the year. You never really know what a tie does when you're starting to do you know tiebreakers and things. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I think it definitely feels more like a loss for this team than a win because of expectations coming in. Uh, it was a historic day here in, in Houston. First tie in the Texans franchise history. First time in 40 years for the Colts. So it's the first tie they've had as the Indianapolis Colts. Um, but I think, I, honestly, I think it was a fitting finish. This was a game no one deserved to win, and no one did. Abs- I'm with you. First, this is definitely a loss. Like this, like I know we're doing a post game pod, and technically, again, it, it's not a loss. But like you said, watching this game, I don't care that they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, and at least kind of in terms of you know recency bias, at least they played some decent football on both ends of the you know of the field in the fourth quarter and overtime. This for three quarters. That was I hate to say, George, that felt like the Jags game from Week 18 reincarnated, where yeah, sure I- some of the characters were different. But it's almost the same result. I talked to Quiddy Pay a little bit about that just moments ago. You know, that for three quarters, it felt like the the Jacksonville game. And I think they did take something away from it coming out in the fourth quarter and turning it around. At least that didn't happen, you know, in January. Uh, but it doesn't excuse the first three quarters. And I don't think anyone's trying to say that. I, I think everyone understands what's happened here. Uh, you know, they, they a lot of self-inflicted wounds. I mean, I think that's the most you talk about immediate takeaways. Uh, the first half was all about drives that that they didn't finish, you know, drop touchdown passes, turnovers, uh, penalties, whatever it was, any way that you can possibly short circuit your own drive. They were doing that. Uh, and really for three quarters, the defense, the defense was not playing badly. They were playing kind of meh, 
but they hadn't made an impact play in three quarters. And I think for them, that's going to equal bad defensive play. I mean, it's something they really want to do. There were no sacks, no interceptions, no fumbles, nothing like that until the fourth quarter. So I think that's something that they want to pick up on as well. You know, you, you can't have a start like that. Uh, Quiddy Pay said it's Houston has a little bit of a gimmicky offense and it took them some time to kind of catch on to some of the things that they were doing. And, and that's part of it. But uh, you know, that that's part of the NFL. You have to, you have to be ready from the opening kickoff and the Colts absolutely were not today. And that's just, so, just hearing that George is so it's like almost exasperating. Cause you're right. We've talked at, at almost ad nauseum though, really the last four weeks or so about some of our concerns and some of the areas that Colts need to improve from last season. One of those areas specifically we talked about is pass rush. They brought in Yannick and Gakwe. Quiddy pays going into year number two. You have DeForest Buckner on the inside as well, who has some good pass rushing skills. And that was one of the areas we highlighted. This Colts team needs to start to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks in order to kind of get it going. And to your point, for three quarters, they weren't, you know, Davis Mills could have took a nap. He could have took a nap in the pocket. There was no one near. I get sure maybe they're throwing, you know, some quick passes and there wasn't a lot of time to get there. But for the most part, for three, almost three and a half quarters, there was no pressure in his face. He had really, you know, was not rushed for the most part. And it's like even when you just, you know, hear Quiddy Pay say, oh, it's a little gimmicky and stuff like that. Like, to your point, George, it's week number one. Like, there's no excuses, especially against a Texans team. Come out, fire and ready to go. Just have your talent beat their talent straight up. And it's just another situation. We're sitting here where a Colts team is more talented, is better than their opponent. But here we are talking about disappointing results. And that's why it feels like a loss. I mean, when you go back to it, you know, you, you can't, you can't rationalize away anything that happened until the fourth quarter. You know I mean? There's nothing about that game up until that point where you feel like the Colts were doing what they needed to do. Uh, you can come back, you know, if you want to look for positives, you can come back and find some, positives in the fact that Matt Ryan was able to lead this team back that he was able to get them up off the mat you know but it, it doesn't at the end of the day it doesn't get you anywhere and I think the most concerning thing is every flaw you were worried about coming in wide receiver depth uh the kicking game all of it showed up out there again today the offensive line you know I think it was mostly self-inflicted wounds on offense but it was also three quarters of, of offensive line play that looked an awful lot like it did last January in, in Jacksonville. You know, you, you've got to do a better job of opening holes for, for Jonathan Taylor. You've got to do a better job. Now they did eventually they did, but again, it's a 60 minute game. You can't play 15 good minutes and, and expect to win in the NFL. There's so much bad. I think we have to get into George. So let's just, you know, not waste any more time. Um, even though we we have gotten into a little bit here. So you mentioned kicking before the kicking was, Hot Rod comes in, wins a kicking job. You know, Jake Verity never really kind of gave him much of a run anyway in training camp and kicks two kickoffs, the last two kickoffs of the game, both out of bounds, put the Texans in prime time position to drive down the field. Luckily for the Colts, Houston could not take advantage of either one. And obviously, you know, misses the 42-yarder in overtime that would have won the game. Is this a situation where if you were Chris Bell, would you move on from Hot Rod after this? I would. I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I really think there ought to be a kicking competition on Monday uh, at the Indiana Farm Bureau Football Center. Uh, but, you know, I will say in, in, in Hot Rod's defense, not that it matters to anybody other than the media because we have the job to do. Uh, but he he was he was there. You know, he stood in his locker and he made no excuses. He said the operation was fine. Snap was right. The hold was right. He didn't follow through the way he should have. In fact, he said he had a lazy follow through and he didn't hit the ball correctly. You know, he didn't make contact the right way. So he said plain and simple. He missed the kick, you know, and, and it, at least, you know, he's owning it. But again, I don't know where that leads to you at the end of the day. Uh, 
you know, it's great that, that he's a stand-up guy and he's going to take accountability for it, but they don't have the three points and it's a tie and you, you have to live with that. A lazy follow through. That's see, it's like, it's almost like exasperation, George. Cause it's like, we've hit on now the week one woes and they've come out flat and they come out slow. And you would think it, it felt like, at least to me that there's, there was a lot more, at least sense of urgency. And there was an awareness of, Hey, we started off slow for a while. So we are going to at least kind of push forward here. And is everything okay, George? Yeah, I, I think it was someone trying to make a call here. I don't know if anyone's going to answer it. So. Oh, I thought it was a siren well, to you know, sound the alarms for the Colts. In the well, oh, there is. Notified. Hang on. <laughs> we, we have a an emergency. Never mind. The Colts. I, I are guess. I guess the emergency has already been uh, resolved. So holy we'll smokes. But it's to your point, like I'm not putting this entire loss on the kicker and missing that one kick because we mentioned there's so much the Colts have done wrong that put themselves in a position to even get overtime in the first place where it never should have gotten. But to your point, like you got to just finish the game and you have to be able to make the kick. And look, Michael Badger's out there. This is a guy the Colts know really well from last year. Worst case, I think you have to bring in on Monday, like you said, at least have a, a competition. And worst case, make you know Hot Rod win his job over again. But this is another situation where we talked about the kicking woes and we've talked about special teams woes even more from the punter perspective when Rodrigo, uh, excuse me, when um, um, Rigoberto, Rigoberto, all the frustrations just blanking my brain. Thank you, Rigoberto goes down. But this is a, a serious concern here, and for the Colts, we talk about trying to win games in the margins. This is an area where you have to have a strength in that special teams they did last year and so far this year. It's been the total opposite. Well, and I mean, we're talking about unfor unforced errors. And that, to me, that's the theme of this game. It's just things the Colts did that, that were completely avoidable that, that put themselves behind the eight ball. Uh, you know, special teams-wise, one of the biggest ones, we, we're going to talk about the missed field goal. Obviously, it's the end of the game. That always happens. It's going to stick out. Towards the middle of the third quarter, they've got the Texans pinned at the one, probably the best play of the day at that point, Grant Stewart downing the ball. You force a three and out. And you run into the kicker and it's on the five yard penalty, but they only need five yards for the first down and the drive continues. And then you pick up three extra first downs on the way down the field. You run out the third quarter clock. I mean, imagine if they had six more minutes in this game as, as the way things turned out, how things might've been different. Um, you know, that's a, that's another huge moment. And, and the two kickoffs uh, that, that go out of bounds that give the Texans the ball at the 40 yard line, you know, hats off to Quiddy pay for completely short circuiting one of those drives. Uh, and the defense in general for for standing up and, and making the stop, it would have been really easy for them to hang their heads at that point and let the Texans get enough yards to kick a game-winning field goal of their own. Uh, but you can't – you're not going to survive in this league against anyone making mistakes like that. And I think the Colts realized that. I mean, there was a lot – that was Matt Ryan's main point today was you can't do the things that they did today and expect to win a game. There was a lot of good out there. I mean, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman – had tremendous games. They're exactly who we thought they were going to be this year. Uh, Ryan had an up and down game, but he kind of delivered there late when he had to. Um, and that's what you want to see. If your quarterback does have some struggles, he's going to be able to rebound. But they didn't get a lot of help on offense. Nobody else really stepped up and had a big day. And the 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 errors in all three phases were simply too, too much to overcome. And think about it too, all the errors uh, and, and all the miscues and all the, the self-inflicted wounds the Colts had – I mean, they walked out of there with the tie. Like Matt Ryan said, you just mentioned before, they're losing probably 95% of those games. So it also highlights just how bad the Texans are where all those things went their way and still the best they could do was tie the game. Like I said, with the difficult schedule the Colts have, 
they better clean it up and better clean it up fast because this is the schedule is going to get tougher very quickly and it could get ugly very quick again when you're playing in division we've highlighted the, the good that should be playing five games out of the first seven in division they continue to play like this again we are be talking about now another season where they're trying to dig themselves out of an early hole and only have themselves to blame for sure speaking of Matt Ryan let's get to his debut for the Colts like I said, it was up and down. You know, the stats at the end of the day make it look like a better day than it actually was. 32 of 50, 352 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked twice, but a big number here that was really unexpected, to say the least. Four fumbles. One of them was lost. He just had trouble with the snap. It was in the shotgun. It was under center. Those were a few drive killers as well. I, I was not impressed at all, and I was actually very disappointed in that, Ryan. Um, again, I know the fourth quarter played a lot better, but overall, I thought the Colts' uh, new quarterback was going to be a lot more consistent uh, than he actually was, and that's the biggest disappointment, I think. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He he's, he said all both of the, the fumbled snaps under center were on him. Of course, that's what he's going to say. You know, I mean, we'll see what happens when it comes out on tape, and, and I'm sure Ryan Kelly will say the same thing when it comes his turn to, to answer for that as well. Uh, but, yeah, you, you – Again, these are unforced errors. I mean, it, it all comes back to unfor unforced errors. In Ryan's case, uh, just not having a grip on the ball at times today, you know, dropping the ball, putting it on the ground, you, you can't do it. I mean, that's obvious. It sounds completely obvious. But, uh, again, some of those drives that got short-circuited, that's what did it, you know, early on. A couple of them, one of them, they lost the ball completely. Uh, and I think it added points to the Texans' lead. You know, things like that, You, you it's – a broken record, but you can't do those things in the National Football League. The upshot, I think, for the Colts is that every other year that this has happened, they've come back and they've looked better as the year's gone on. Uh, and I think it'll probably, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I, I say it'll probably play out the same way this year, but who knows? I mean, nothing today played out as expected. And it was, I mean, you go around the league. It was the wonky week one that, that you expect, uh, at least in these one o'clock games. I think almost every game at one o'clock, it felt like had a comeback by one team or another. Uh, several teams blew leads. You know, it, those things happen in week one. Uh, but I think the Colts in particular with their week one history, it's maybe more excusable for another team. And it's maybe more excusable if you get out of here with a win. If you somehow find a way to win the game, at least you can hang your hat on that. We talked about it all through training camp. They had to be 2-0. They will not be 2-0. They would not be 2-0, and again, you know, a large part of it is is the quarterback play. When you bring in Matt Ryan, when you have him replacing Carson Wentz, it is to bring that consistency back to the lineup. It's to what we've talked about all offseason, right? Matt Ryan is brought in to make the layups, make the easy throws, and not that he was inaccurate in some of those senses, but again, it was it was rushed. It was panicked. Some of the decisions he made, a few tight window throws that were little, you know, bad decisions. The one interception he threw was. Sure, you could say just a great play by the defense, but again, you're throwing a little screen pass and it's deflected in there. So you, you got to find a way to get it past the defender and not have, you know, put yourself in a situation where the defender can make an athletic play like that to, to change the momentum. And it's just like, yeah, for three quarters, it was a lot of shakiness. And you also saw, too, uh, a lot of uh, distrust in anyone really not named Michael Pittman Jr. or, you know, the few times you found Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, Jonathan Taylor. It was, it was those two guys and no one else. And I think that's a frustrating thing. I mean, that's one of the things, you, like I talked about, every flaw that, that this roster had was highlighted. You know, you worry about how's the offensive line going to look together. We talked all the offseason. You don't know, you know, because they hadn't really played together. Well, they came out, they struggled. You know, they struggled early in the run game. They got it going probably a little bit earlier than they got the passing game going. But they struggled early in the run game. And that, the one of the biggest, 
you know, to me, one of the biggest stretches of the game. There are a lot of things we've been talking about unfor unforced errors, you know. One of the biggest stretches of the game was right there at the start. I mean, it, when it was three to nothing in in the first quarter, the Colts had something like 122 yards, and the Texans had 13 yards. And even Frank Reich said it in, in the post game press conference. You get you put up the numbers they put up yardage wise that don't count. That that really it doesn't matter. But if you normally if you have a 160 yard rusher, a 120 yard receiver, and a 350 yard passer, you're gonna think that team scored 40 points, and they didn't. And it goes back to what was the theme of the year that we've been talking about? Finish closers find those yep. guys they didn't have those guys until the fourth quarter today and by that point when you dig yourself in a 17 point hole it's it's tough to overcome to their credit they put themselves in a position to win the game but again uh, another situation where the colts like you said failed to close the game and get the job done when the blue horseshoe returns one of the areas of concern we've been highlighting all offseason the wide receivers Yet again, read its ugly head as to why this is a big question mark going forward. We'll discuss when we do return right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. As always, like and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, George, one big question mark, one big area concern we had coming to the season, the wide receiver group. It was Michael Pittman Jr., who's the only one who really was relied upon before, who actually had a proven track record, and a bunch of guys with question marks. And I hate to say it, after one game where I was hoping – one guy would show up, maybe two guys could kind of make a few plays and kind of get, you know, things going in the right direction. Actually, it's the total opposite. It was Michael Pittman Jr. And for the most part, really, no one else. It's a major concern going forward how how little this wide receiver core can be relied upon outside of number 11. And it's, again, it's the small margin in the NFL. You know, you talk about it being a game of inches. It's a game of plays, honestly. And you don't necessarily need somebody else to have a 75-yard day. That'd be nice. It'd be great. It would open a lot of things up. But what you need is people to make the plays in the moment when it comes to them. We talked earlier about them having far fewer points than you would expect for, for what they did offensively. I mean, they moved the ball. They just didn't finish drives. And that's frustrating, and it's always going to be frustrating. But part of that was two drop passes in the end zone. You know, if Alec Pierce pulls in a touchdown pass early in the game, it's 10 to nothing. It, it changes the entire flow of that football game and then Ashton Doolin had a chance when they're trying to make a comeback to, to pull in a touchdown if those two catches are made the game doesn't go to overtime the Colts are winners Matt Ryan has three touchdowns we're probably not talking quite as much about his day it, it's more of a mad day for him than a day where you where you're kind of concerned about him one play each I mean that that's what it takes these guys do not have to go out and have 100 yards if they do it's great it's it's, it's an extra bonus but when you're called on, when you're open and you're in the end zone, when your quarterback in Alec Pierce's case extends a play, which I thought was one of the better things Ryan did today in the pocket and gives you a, a catchable ball in the end zone, you got to pull it in. And it's that simple. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, from the team standpoint, we can as outsiders be as frustrated as we want and we can even give up if we want to. You, you have that right as a fan or as a media member. The team can't have that mindset. And I think that's one of the things they're clinging to right now is – all of this is correctable. You know, make a catch here, hold on to a ball there, don't commit a penalty here. It's a totally different story today. And, and you're right. And that's part of the, you know, I think it also goes into now going forward, you know, the lack of trust that is, it almost started form. Like I said, you had two touchdowns, should have been caught that warrant. And even so, when you look at, you know, the stat sheet, nine guys are targeted. So you would think, okay, on the surface, Matt Ryan spreading the ball out. He's not really looking one way. But you actually watch the game, especially later on in the game, and really on third down, outside of Paris Campbell having one really nice third down conversion in overtime that should have helped set up what was a game-winning field goal. Anytime there's a third down, anytime there's a big needed play here, Matt Ryan's only looking in one direction. Here's Michael Pittman Jr. 
So again, it kind of the same thing we were talking about before. And I think it's also telling as well when you have such an experienced guy, Matt Ryan, to where he's only looking in one direction. That kind of goes to show you, even in training camp, when you're winning some nice one-on-one battles, when it comes down to the heat of the moment, there is still a lot of guys on this team he's not trusting. Yeah, well, and I think it also affected play calling. You know, I think a lot of times when you're looking at it, like, why did they run here? A lot of it had to do with trust in those receivers. You know, if, if you call this play, is someone going to make the play? I will say one guy, and it wasn't a big production, but it's big for him. One guy who did kind of have a good day and, and, and maybe gives you some hope moving forward was Mike Strom. You know, he had a big catch in overtime. I think he had a big catch early in the in the game as well. Uh, he's got to do more, obviously, and the Colts need more from more people like that. But if there's one guy in that receiving group who I would say, add a boy to today, it's Mike Trump. I thought Ashton Doolin, too, had a decent game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a few nice plays. But like I said, it was nice to see also strong on the field and making some catches and making some plays. Like I said, in some in some crunch time moments. But it also goes to show you, when Mike Strong on the field, we saw Alec Pierce really not on the field that much either after that uh, drop touchdown that he had, which again goes to show when you have an opportunity to make a play, you don't do so. It's tough to kind of earn that trust back. And Matt Ryan all of a sudden quickly, very quickly started looking at anywhere else. But even also, so, also the big hit with, with Pierce. Yes. Too. I don't think, I think he was okay. Uh, he yes. seemed okay in the locker room, but that, that's, that's one of the things that lingers, you know, we already won't know about that for sure till Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but that, that had a factor too, I'm sure, on, on the rookies game. Right, had his helmet on, which is at least assuming that he was clear to go, mm-hmm. which is a good sign. But and he did play after that. Mm-hmm. But... Right, that's true. Even even psyche wise, confidence wise too. Maybe you know it's kind of a, almost a welcome to the NFL kind of moment right there. But also, it's a little bit concerning too when you don't have the offense or the skilled position players. I should say stepping up because now that puts a lot more workload on Jonathan Taylor's plate. He had a tremendous game, 161 rushing yards, really picked up right where he left off last year um, against, you know, the two uh, two times played against the Texans. But, you know, we thought at least, okay, part of the benefit of bringing Matt Ryan in is to limit the workload of Jonathan Taylor because you're not going to have to rely on him as much because now you have an experienced quarterback that can make more plays in the passing game consistently than the previous quarterback here. And instead, you look up, it's 31 carries. And like you said, a lot of the time, especially in overtime, a lot of those drives you know, in the late in the fourth quarter and overtime were based on number 28. Our excellent producer is pointing out here, the hit actually, it, it caused Alec Pierce to, to change his face mask. So that's why it was out of the game for a little while. A bolt came loose. That's how hard he got hit. Uh, and they had to actually go and get him a new face mask and, and get that changed according to the, the Colts radio broadcast. So that's one of the things sometimes you miss up here in the press box. We're, we're quite a bit away from the action. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, Jonathan Taylor had a Herculean effort. I mean, he's he's definitely a guy that, that you feel he did everything you expected him to do today. Michael Pittman did everything you expected him to do today. I don't know if the other 51 guys on the roster can look themselves in the mirror and say, maybe Quiddy Pay. He had a pretty huge day uh, late, you know, and, and, and made some huge plays. Uh, but it across the board, all three phases, it really doesn't matter. Whatever you want to look at, they didn't get the job done. That's the bottom line. Absolutely did not. And one unit that was, I thought was really disappointing. I mean, look, there's a lot of units. The offensive line, like, again, allowed two sacks, and Jonathan Taylor goes for 161 yards. So, again, on paper, it doesn't look that bad. But especially the first three quarters, Matt Ryan looked to be under siege. He was getting pressure. There's a, I feel like it always he was kind of rolling out, having a duck under, having almost wait another beat or two to avoid the rush. I was really disappointed in this Colts, you know, front five because, again, just you're going to get the Texans, you know, front four that's not very good. There was, you know, a few blitzes, but it wasn't, you know, they weren't blitz heavy all game long. You have to be able to give Matt Ryan time. And that was one area where the Colts absolutely could not. 
No, and again, I think I give him some credit for for making some plays late in the down. You know, I think he did some things with his footwork. He's never going to be considered athletic. He's never going to be considered fleet of foot, but he, he took off and run, ran a couple times and got a couple first downs that were really necessary. Uh, but he also stayed in the pocket, you know, just moving around in the pocket and keeping a play alive. Uh, a couple decent pass plays came out of that. You, you don't want to see that. That's not. I don't think the Colts are going to be comfortable if he's running around like that all year long. And you are going to see Look, I think the Texans' front four has improved. You, you bring in somebody like Jerry Hughes, it's better than it was a year ago, but you're going to see a lot better pass rushes than, than, than you saw out there today uh, and probably next week. I mean, one of the things Jacksonville's always done well, <coughs> excuse me, is, is up front, you know, bringing that, that pressure. That's how they've really gotten to the Colts so many times uh, over the course of, you know, what is it, six straight years, seven straight yep. years. <laughs> Uh, where they've lost in Jacksonville, that's been the story of those games. And so when you see that happen today, that's a huge concern when you think about where they're going next week. Jerry Hughes, I mean, also, George, I mean, would it kill Jerry to have some of that production uh, in Indy like he had today? I mean, my goodness gracious, he looked like a man possessed. He was all over the field, getting in the backfield. Jerry, you know, don't be shy, man. Could We could have used that a few years ago. Hey, he had that interception too. And Matt Ryan basically described it the same way you did. He said, he's got to find a better passing lane. He was also frustrated because he thought everything about that play set up, right. They got the look they wanted. They had the look after the play that they wanted. And he threw the ball in an unideal spot. And Hughes comes down with that interception. That's another game turning moment. I mean, if that's a big play for the Colts, you know, again, we're probably having a different conversation right now, but that's, that's the whole point of the game to me right now. You could go to a handful of plays. You could go pick whatever you want. The missed field goal, the running into the kicker penalty, the two touchdown passes that were dropped, the fumbled snaps, that interception, change one of them, and you change everything about this game. It was, that's infuriating to say the least. And this is an exercise where it's probably easier, George, to – Talk about the the one or two guys that actually played well compared to highlighting all all the uh, all the units and players that played bad today. But another one that deserves criticism and I thought had a, a subpar day was Frank Reich. I mean, starting really starting off with the, the wildcat call on fourth and goal, which really made no sense whatsoever. Uh, having Naeem Hines take the direct snap, fake the fake the jet sweep to Jonathan Taylor, and kind of run it in your uh, try to run it in himself. I would like that call if it's first and goal. You know, we've seen that work to, you know, have a lot of success last year. Fourth and goal, I don't like the call. I thought Frank Reich overall play calling wise did have a rough day. And it really kind of started right there on that drive, that, that fourth and goal call. And really from there, I feel like everything kind of the wheels came off. Yeah. And I think in that one, the Texans defensive end did something they didn't expect. They gave them the look they thought they wanted. And then they did something with their defensive end that the Colts didn't see coming and blew up the entire play. So sometimes that happens as well. But again, that's why it's it's probably not a great idea to do it on fourth and goal. I always feel like in a situation like that, you want it in one of your best players' hands. You know, that that's either you're looking for Michael Pittman or you're giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. You really don't want to do anything else when you really need it in a situation like that. Uh, I really, yeah, I don't think it was a great day for for Frank in a lot of ways. And I, I'll go back to the field goal. Uh, they could have been more aggressive. You know, he, he's kind of playing there for the yards. And I get it. I'm not letting Blankenship off the hook. An NFL kicker needs to make a 42-yard game winner indoors. I'm not, I'm not at all right. lessening that part of this. But I think from the head coach's spot, you, if you're a little more aggressive there, it's maybe a shorter kick, or maybe you can still get in the end zone. And you know, I, I thought there were there's always a lot of things that go wrong on, on any given play. Uh, I, I really like the rollout call on third down, and I think they had Mo Alley Cox open. Unfortunately, Ryan got pressure right away and and was not able to, to you know get it to him. 
Uh, and that sack obviously was something they were willing to take because you were mm-hmm. in field goal range. That call, I don't really mind. But the runs before that, everybody, all 60,000 people in the stadium knew Jonathan Taylor was going to get the ball in that situation. Uh, I just feel like being a little more aggressive there, maybe running a slant to Pittman, you know, looking at that point, Paris Campbell had started to step up. He had made a big play earlier in that drive. Mike Strawn had a big catch. If there was ever a point in the game to go ahead and look for some of those receivers, it felt like it was building there. And like you said, the, the field goes a layup. So in a sense, if you're a head coach, all right, there's no reason to kind of risk it. But also, isn't that why you got Matt Ryan? Especially, again, we, we just kind of talked about him and his, I thought, really bad three quarters. But fourth quarter in overtime, he was making a lot of throws. He was in rhythm. Isn't that a time where that's why you get Matt Ryan to kind of trust him in those situations? Get a, you know, maybe a 15-yard cheapie because everyone set off for the run. Or who knows? I mean, you get a one-on-one slant, breaks a tackle. Touchdown game over. You don't even need to worry about a field goal. You're right. That, that's a situation where I thought for such an aggressive coach that Frank Reich is, he could have been a little bit more aggressive there and trust the quarterback that you brought in, you know, the the, the veteran and Matt Ryan to make a play and not lose to the game where you couldn't have that luxury last year because obviously the, the trust for Carson Wentz clearly was not there. But yeah, that's where it goes. And I will say this. I mean, the team itself, Quentin Nelson was talking about Matt Ryan and he said, look, this guy is walking. It's 20 to three and he's walking up and down the sideline and he's telling us we're going to come back. We're going to win. That's what you brought him in for. But you can't just do it on the sideline. you got to trust him as well. Like you said, on play calling. And I, I'd say the same thing about the Wildcat. Why are you taking Matt Ryan off the field there? There's, there's no reason to do that. Fourth and goal. Again, first and goal, sure, try it. It's a gimmicky look, see what happens. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Fourth and goal, that's not the time to gamble. Uh, you know, it's early season for Frank Reich, too. Uh, he's going to have bad games like anybody else, but this this was definitely one of them. And I think he kind of acknowledged that. You know, he, he didn't come out straight out and say it in the, in the, in the press conference. He did in a couple areas. Uh, but, you know, I think once he sits down and, and, and watches this and digests it, he's going to feel like there were things he would have done differently. So to put a kind of bow on at least the negativity here for week number one, George, who, whether it's a player, whether it's a positional group, whether it's even a coach, who would you kind of look at and say, I was the most disappointed or, or wasn't expecting this bad of a performance in week one? I'm going to go with the offensive line. I mean, the this team's built to win in the trenches. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. Frank Reich and Chris Ballard have said that since day one, literally day one, that they've been together. Uh, and when this team wins and when this team's rolling and when this team looks at its best, the offensive line is leading the way. They got better like, like everything else in the game. They got better in the fourth quarter, but like everything else in the game, it was not a pretty sight in the first three and they can't do it. And it was, it was all areas. Look, they, they, again, they started to run the ball better earlier than they started to throw the ball better, but you're going to need more out of the tackles in particular. I mean, I think you could expect that Matt Pryor might struggle a little, struggle a little bit in his first start. I thought Braden Smith didn't have a really good game today either. Uh, you've got to get it done. You know, they often, it all starts with the offensive line. They say it themselves, every opportunity they get, they know it. They take that on their shoulders. If you're going to do that, if you're going to say that you're a team that wins in the trenches and your linemen are going to say, put it on us, you got to deliver. I, I like that's a good one. I like that because, like I said, it also too with, with how much talent there is. It's this. It almost felt like Jacksonville reincarnated last year from last year. Just how you know poor they looked and how much pressure consistently Houston was able to get. Um, I'm going to go with the defense. Like overall, with the defense because even though again they held Houston at 20 points and they were able, especially in the fourth quarter, really start getting after Davis Mills. The first three quarters, there was no pressure there. The um the Texans were kind of having their way both passing and running. Davis Mills had a pretty you know pretty solid day, 240 yards, two touchdowns, and the Texans that second quarter 131 yards 
uh, in that quarter alone. It was just maddening because, again, the offense was killing themselves and kind of, you know, hurting their, the, you know, not getting anything done in their own right. But it's the defense when there's so much talent there, when you have a really good secondary, when you bring in Yannick and Gakwe and kind of, you know, really try to, to make your bones get in after the quarterback with four guys. Against a less talented team like the Texans, you have to be able to do it. You have to be able just to kind of fly around, make tackles. And for three quarters, they were not doing that. Credit to them again. Fourth quarter and overtime, they locked down. Um, but by that point, it's almost too late because for the first three quarters, they couldn't get off the field. They're allowing long drives to be sustained, even though that's sure, you know, they they you know held for a few field goals. It's one of those things where you're on the field that long and you're allowing the momentum to change, and you have to be able to to Flip a game on its head, even when they're especially when there's no turnovers caused for the first three quarters. And I'll tell you what, though, the, the run defense came through, and I think that's what's disappointing as well. We thought coming into the game, I was with you 100%. That was the area you had to worry about the most. That's where you were most concerned. They came in and they they stopped the run, or at least they did it well enough. They probably could have been a little better. I think when you tie, you could have been better in every area, but the run defense was not, it was very low on the list of concerns today. And that makes it all the worse, what we saw from the rest of the defense. I think if they had a day that was disappointing, that's where we would have pointed. They didn't have trouble with that. And yet you still had so much struggles getting to the quarterback, making impact plays. That's what this defense is here to do. Force turnovers, get sacks. You know, are they missing Shaquille Leonard? I'm sure, but you can't put it all on him either. Zaire Franklin said during the week, all week long, Shaq's not out there. It means that there's a lot of plays that aren't being made. We've got to step up and make those plays. They didn't do it early enough in this game today. To your point, too, I mean, you held the Texans to 77 yards, averages 2.8 yards per carry. So for all the concerns we had coming in about the run defense, they did a really good job, to, to which even, you know, hammers home the frustration more of, all right, if you're locking down the run, then you really should have, you know, kind of your way with Davis Mills and not allow him to kind of sustain long drives. And, you know, you should be able to get out the field quicker than they did the first three quarters. Like you said, it's just, it's frustrating. And going back to Shaq Leonard, look, I've been on the record for sure. Don't play him. You know, week three is kind of your opening week. You don't need him to be the Texans. Clear they needed him to be the Texans today. But also, too, it's it's not like Shaq Leonard got hurt on Friday and it's like all of a sudden, mm -hmm. oh my God, like now we got to figure out a whole new game plan. They have known for a real long time, the entirety of training camp, he was not there. So EJ Speed, Zaire Franklin, they were already used to kind of filling in his role. So there should be even more uh, or even less of an excuse because they have gotten the necessary reps all throughout training camp to be ready for this game, to be ready to step in for his role. And then you see, you know, week one, it's still more the same. Yep. They just didn't get it done. And I, at the end of the day, that's, I mean, we keep hammering on the same point, but that's all, that's what it's about. They didn't finish. You know, we talked about at least two podcasts during training camp. That's the key. You know, are you going to, is this going to be the team that finishes? Are they going to come out there? They're going to find guys are going to step up in those big moments and make the plays that have to be made. Not today. Not today for sure. Again, a, a Colts-Texans 2020 tie here in week number one. When we return to wrap up the Blue Horseshoe pod here, is there any positivity we could take from the Colts as they you know, did storm back from a 17-point fourth quarter deficit to get the game to overtime and were in position to kick a game-winning field goal? Is there anything positive you could take from what was a 2020 tie to start week one? We'll discuss that next. So one theme, George, we have been discussing and questioning can this Colts team close? And you tweeted at halftime that down 10-3, this is an opportunity now for a Colts team to come out in the second half, finish the job. And unlike last year, they kind of got off to a hot start and hold on for the finish. This is an opportunity for the other way around where you can kind of really make the big time plays in order to kind of win games. 
Third quarter did not go that way. The fourth quarter down 23. Credit to Matt Ryan, credit to the offense, credit to the defense. They did make plays to get back in the game to force overtime and almost have a chance to, to win the game, and frankly should have won the game in overtime. How much, if any, positivity um, of uh, – positive, we'll just keep it at that. Um, do you take away from kind of their fourth quarter and overtime effort? Yeah, uh, not much. I mean, I, I where I take away positivity is stuff that we've already discussed. It, it's, it's individuals. I think Quiddy Pay stepping up, I think that was big. Him stepping up and making big plays when when they needed a defensive stop, we didn't see that from him last year. You know, so him to be able to go out there, if, if you're looking at a guy who needs to make a year two jump to, to help this team get to where they want to go, uh, he's high on that list. And you saw it. You know, he, he was there when he needed to be. I thought that was one positive. He's got to be more consistent. Obviously, they all do. But that's one thing I thought was good. And the other one is Mike Schramm. You know, just it, look, it, can you build on this? Can, can you become a, a consistent contributor to this team? Can he fit it? We've been talking about Ashton Doolin being the Zach Pascal for this team. Can, can Mike Strawn step into that role? You know, it's too early to say. But to me, I just look at those individuals. Look, 17-point rally, all due credit to everyone involved. Shouldn't have put yourself in that position. Shouldn't have been there. I don't really take a lot away from that. I'm with you, and in part because it's just like we've been talking and highlighting this important stretch of the Colts all offseason long. You got to start off, you know, hot. You got to be able to 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 beat the teams you're better than in the Texans. So it's like, sure, it's great that Matt Ryan looked good and he made some big throws when needed. It's great that Quiddy Pay, when the defense needed to stop, and in the fourth quarter, the EJ Speed, when the defense needed a turnover, you're able to get that turnover. You're able to get that sack like they did and get the Texans off the field. It's great, but the fact that you put yourself in the position through three quarters of god awful play. I can't take one quarter positivity because when you emphasize and put so much importance on the opening game of coming out strong, of taking care of your division first, when there's so much emphasis and importance on that and for three quarters, you don't do so for 75% of the game. You are, are lackadaisical. You're sloppy. You're making mental mistakes. Like you said, You're having stupid penalties like a delay of game when you're going to kick a field goal because there's 10 guys on the field and Matt yep. Pryor doesn't got to be on the field when you're on 23 at that point. It's all of that negativity that even though recency bias should say, oh, we should feel better. The Colts rallied and, you know, maybe in most years they lose the game. This was a game where we talked about you got to win. You are the better team and they weren't. So I'm with, I can't take any positivity out of this because it's, it's the same old mind numbing mistakes. And there's no way you can kind of talk yourself into it. Because I think in years past, per, I'll speak, my, uh, speak for myself. I've kind of looked at it on an optimistic view, but like this team, the bar is higher. It's not just, oh, they played well for a quarter. Let's pat on the back. It's you've got to beat the Texans and you got to score 17 points every quarter. That's how much better you are than Houston. I mean, my mm -hmm. score is, I think, 31 10. I think you were 27 10 or 27 yeah. 7. John yep. McClain on, on Friday's pod basically said the only way the Colts lose this game is if they all get food poisoning and can't show up to the game uh, on Sunday. And yep. here we are. You know, that's why it's just, it should have been. What was a lock, right? I don't. You can't take any positivity out of a game in which, for seventy-five percent of it, against a very inferior division opponent, you look like the worst team. You want to stretch? I mean, you want to really stretch and and say, well, there's something that could be good. Maybe every year they've lost a game like this that 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 they shouldn't have any business losing. You know, maybe they got that out of the way. Maybe this is <laughs> is done. Uh, the other one is. We talked about it. The other thing we've talked about a lot is at some point you're going to face adversity and how you how will you respond? They're through that now. You know, they they face the adversity. You see them at least respond to it. But at the end of the day, none of that. Look, you had to be one and zero, and you're not one and zero. 
So you're not 0 1. I guess there's that, but uh, you're not 1 0. Matt Ryan, by the way, the first QBE to tie in his debut game since Kyler Murray in, tw- in 2019. He had a 27 27 tie against the Detroit Lions. That, of course, was his rookie debut, his, his first game in the NFL uh, for Matt Ryan, just his debut here in Indianapolis, but uh, also the first time Matt Ryan's NFL career. So uh, nothing made sense here today Ugh. except for one thing. The one thing that made sense to me in any way today, no one deserved to win and no one did. That is true. Ties are the worst, by the way. I hate how now, George, we're going to have to be talking about this Colts team the rest of the season. Oh, they're 7-4-1. Oh, yeah, they're 5-4-1. I hate having to say a three-digit record. It's going to drive me crazy. It's so ugly to look at in the standings. It's uglier to say it's thanks, Colts. And week one, so now it's there the entire time. If they win next week, they're 1-0-1. Ugh. Yep. Frustrating. Now, I will say, again, not to be optimistic, because I'm not taking any optimism here, but I'm just pointing out facts. You go to last year. The top uh, seed in each conference come playoff time, the Titans in the AFC, the Packers in the NFC, both got their doors blown off in week one. Titans got blown up by the Cardinals last year. The Packers got blown up by the Saints. So it's not like the season's over per se. And I, we're none of us, neither of us are, are saying that in any stretch. Mm-hmm. But it just it just hammers home the importance of this game. You should have taken care of business right away. And even though we've seen plenty of teams overcome a week one loss, and it only week one, so there's no reason to truly overreact for an entire season projection. Right. But it's it's the same old, same old with this Colts team again. You don't want to be digging yourself out of a hole. And here we are, another season, another year talking about the Colts digging themselves out of an early hole. For me, that's that's the bottom line. They had a chance to come out here today and prove that this year was going to be different. And today, today, on Sunday, they failed. Doesn't mean that it won't end up being a different year. Doesn't mean that I'm projecting 17 ties, although that's what they're on pace for. But <laughs> it it's just reality. You have to, the NFL is a bottom line business. And the fact of the matter is they knew the assignment today. They knew what the job was. They knew what the goal was. They didn't get it done. If they tied 17 times, I guess they have the first pick in the draft, right? I don't know. That would be really interesting, right? Like you'd be winless, no winning wins. Percentage is zero. So, you know, yeah. you think that's better than, you know, uh, that's yeah. I don't know. I hope, listen, I hope you never have to find out, but that is fascinating. Maybe we'll sure. find out. Man, holy. Would it surprise you with this Colts team? It wouldn't be surprising if we're sitting here talking about an 0-0-17 team. That is for sure. So week one is in the books. The Colts have tied, which does feel like a loss. They are 0-0-1 right now. But like you said, standing-wise, it's not a loss. This absolutely feels like a major loss. One of the worst ways to start the season. Uh, all our fears did come true. A lot of question marks we've had coming into the season, George, were not answered. And if they were, they were answered in a negative way, not a positive way. This is going to be a very long week as they get ready for week number two against the Jaguars. We will be back middle of the week, Wednesday morning. So make sure you are downloading and subscribing between now and then. You can follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. You can follow me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We will be back to kind of get the state of the Colts as well as the state of the AFC South after what was a very chaotic week number one. So make sure you're downloading, make sure you're subscribing right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.